0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: I think when you really understand the gospel and what my sin cost, what it it took for the Lord, that that it brings a brokenness. I begin to feel about my sin the way God does. And um, it brings brokenness. It brings remorse over sin and repentance. So that's another way to receive the grace of God in vain. If I just go on living the same though I know what he's done for me. Thirdly, and lastly, it's those who receive it, but they're unwilling to share it. So I've received this great goodness from God, unmerited favor, what he's done for me. Um, And I know these other people need to hear about it, but I won't bother to tell them
0: in today's message pastor bill will encourage you to see your mistakes in a biblical light the bible defines sin as missing the mark set for you by what god says in the bible but how do you respond when you sin against god do you just brush it off and move on with your day or do you have a repentant heart towards the mistake you've made like any relationship it's important that you apologize when you make a mistake that impacts someone else and still jesus covers all sin forever now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he begins his message, A Heart for Ministry.
1: Well, as you guys go ahead and open up, uh, or you guys look right there at 2 Corinthians, um, I have to ask this question, you know, for everybody here, you know, if, if someone asked you, do you have a heart or desire for ministry or of service, you know, um, and everybody here, I would ask you that, I don't want you to answer out loud, but do you have a heart for service? Do you have a desire to be in ministry? Um And I I would like to explain what that means. I think for most people, when you say the word ministry, um, we may have different thoughts. I I know I was in a church at one time where it looked like ministry and minister meant that it was like something to attain. It was like a a position, you know that. Oh, that guy is the minister. You know, he's like he's the big deal. I came out of a a, a, at one point a church culture where the minister was he was served by the body. You know, they um, they brought him his special drinks. Uh, in, a, in a chalice, like a, like a, like a, literally in a, in a silver chalice, they would bring him his drinks. Um, people would carry his Bible for him as it was so heavy he couldn't bear it himself, you know? Um, and so you, you look there, you're like, man, this is what a minister is. Like, it's, he's, he's like a king over here. And, but you look at scripture, you see nothing of the sort. Uh, what does the word minister mean? Servant. So somebody's a minister, means they're the servant. That's their role. If somebody's in ministry, that means they're performing a service. A ministry is service. A minister is a servant. If you write note something Jesus said in Matthew 23:11, Jesus says, But he who is great among you, he shall be the servant of all. And so if someone's gonna be a servant, someone's gonna be great in God's kingdom, God said he'll be the servant of all. And so now by actually that question, do you have a heart for service? Like, do you how many of us have a heart to and God, I want to serve you whatever it takes. I want to be of service. I want to avail myself to you. Um, that's our privilege and our opportunity as believers. So let's look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter six. Um, last week we were in chapter five and this kind of follows right up. The last two things we looked at in chapter five, uh, we were told that we are ambassadors in verse 20 of chapter five. I mean, we're representatives, we're ambassadors for Christ. It says as though Christ were pleading through us. As if God were using your vessel, using your mouth, pleading through us, telling people, be reconciled to God, come to Jesus. And then the verse I told you would be a great memory verse. Verse 21, it says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, or for you and for me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And verse one of chapter six picks right up where that left off. Look at chapter six, verse one. It says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And so when he says we then as workers together with him, he's saying, look, just we're workers together with Jesus, the same one that became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We, we're we're workers together with him. And I want you to think about that because when I look at ministry, it's I'm getting to work alongside Jesus. Um, I might be doing it at a church. I might be doing it at my In my neighborhood, I might be doing it a number of different places. But when we we commit our hearts to serving God, we're we're serving. We we begin to co-labor with Jesus. And that's I believe that's one of the privileges of being a Christian. I get to serve alongside. I get to work in tandem with God. I get to be on his team. I get to be doing something that matters to him. And I I would pray that we would see ministry that way. I, I get to do this with the Lord and for the Lord. Um, anybody ever you know wanted to do something maybe you someone you admired and you oh, I'm so glad to get to you know play with this person or do this thing with that person. We get to serve with the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Um, that's what ministry looks like. So he says, we then as workers together with him, he says, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And so I think there's three ways that the grace of God can be received in vain. What is the grace of God? Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor. Everybody here know God has been good to you just because he's good, right? We don't have to earn his goodness. Nobody has to earn God's favor. Um, That's what grace is. That's why grace is such a beautiful thing. I've never been good enough for God, but he wanted me. I never worked hard enough. I can't work hard enough. I can't serve long enough. There's nothing I could do to gain more favor with God than what he already gives me through grace. God says, look, I just love you. My my goodness upon you because I'm good. Grace. Now, how how should we respond to grace? Somebody just loves you for nothing. Good to you for nothing. Good to you even when you're bad to them. Showing you favor when you don't deserve favor. How, How should we respond to something like that? Gratitude. Yielded. You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings us to what? repentance. is God's goodness. Somebody, Some people think it's the baseball bat of God. If God beat me hard enough for my mistakes, I'll repent. But God says sometimes it's his goodness. When, when we realize how good he's been to us, as flawed as we are, that that brings us to repentance. So he says, we don't want to receive that. It's God's grace. We don't want to receive that in vain. So here go three ways that it can be received in vain. Number one, the Judaizers that were coming into Corinth, what they were doing was saying, hey, I know God had grace upon you guys he died in your place and that's all great and all but you need that and these extra rules you know you got to take the cross the death burial the resurrection and you guys got to be circumcised and you got to stop eating that kind of meat and they would add stuff to the gospel um and in that sense you're making the grace of god you're you're taking it in vain you're adding to it it's no longer the grace of god If, if what jesus did on the cross is not enough You know what a slap in the face that is to the Lord? Say, God, I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And I just got to add one thing to it. I got to also be baptized, then it works. If that's not enough, you know, I think that's insulting to the Lord. And so that's what the Judaizers are doing. That would be taking the grace of God in vain. Like, it's not enough. I still have to add something to it. In Christian circles, a lot of times that what that looks like is it looks religious. um, It looks like legalism. Um, There are people that love, there are people that are so known for what they're against and what they're not for, what they don't do. And they're so proud of all that they don't do. Um, you don't even know what they're for. You just know they're against this, against that, against this, against them. They don't like that group. They're against that. And they don't do that. And they would never do that. And that's some people look at that. Is that a good witness for a Christian? It's like, what are you for? <laughs> Fam? Like, what, what? I, you know, that's that's it. But some people, that's their thing. It makes them feel really good because you guys do that, but we don't. You know, you guys parked it, we don't go out. You watch that? We wouldn't watch that. Mm -mm, Never, never, never. And for some people, that's what it looks like. Not a good witness, not a good look. So that's one way of taking the grace of God in vain. Another way, number two, is for those who took it, um, those who take it for granted and continue to live carnally. So though I understand what God has done for me and and, and everything that he's made available, um, I, yeah, I still going to live how I want to live. I'm still going to live in rebellion. I'm still going to live in carnality. I'm not going to fully surrender my life to the Lord. That's taking the grace of God in vain. I don't think that people that really understand the grace of God continue on in rebellion. Um, Some people think you can't teach people the grace of God because then they'll feel like they can just do whatever they want and God's all forgiving and everything else. I think when you really understand the gospel and what my sin costs, what it, it took for the Lord, that, that it brings a brokenness. I begin to feel about my sin the way God does. And um, it brings brokenness. It brings remorse over sin and repentance. So that's another way to receive the grace of God in vain if I just go on living the same, though I know what he's done for me. Thirdly, and lastly, it's those who receive it, but they're unwilling to share it. So I've received this great goodness from God, unmerited favor, what he's done for me. Um, and I know these other people need to hear about it, but I won't bother to tell them. I'm, I'm worried about losing their friendship I don't want to upset nobody or, or I just don't care enough about where they're going to go when they die that I don't tell them And so, those are three ways when Paul says I'm pleading with you to, that, that, not to receive the grace of God in vain everybody here needs to consider that for yourself um, have you received the grace of God have you, do you receive it in vain or do you receive it in, in, in fruitfulness is, is the grace of God bearing fruit in your life is it changing the way you live is it changing your heart? Is it changing the way you speak to other people? What you speak about? Um, it should. And now Paul goes on to speak about um, how these things should impact our life. And so the, this is a quotation out of Isaiah 49, verse eight. Paul says, for he said in an in, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And right here, as he's quoting from Isaiah 49, what he's, the point he's getting across is, when do we need to respond and when do we need to submit and obey the Lord? It's when we hear him. He says, Here, it's in the day of salvation I have helped you, that in the acceptable time I've heard you. It's when we hear over in um, if you're writing notes, you can write down Psalm 95. And um, I'll read verses seven and eight out of Psalm 95. It says this: For he is our God, and we are his people, or we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the as in the day of trial in the wilderness. And something you find in Scripture, God is always calling us to move right now. Some of you, some of you are procrastinators by nature. Um, I got some people under my roof that procrastinate. I might be one of them. I don't know. Um, but procrastination is, is you know, it's, it's the mindset of procrastinating is like, I know I need to do that. I know i got to do that. I'm going to do that. And. <laughs> I'm gonna do it in ten minutes. Gonna do it in twenty minutes. And I'm gonna just do it tomorrow. I'm gonna to do it next week. When is it due? I'm gonna do it five minutes before it's due, and then the next thing you know, it's not done. Anybody here? Say amen. That's yes? all, right, all right, I, I saw that ahead, not I, I know I'm speaking to somebody. So that's procrastination. What you can't afford to do is be that way spiritually, right? You can afford to miss a homework assignment, you have bad grades. Um, you can you do that with whatever you do that with is gonna fail. If you procrastinate with work, you're gonna be bad at it. You, Procrastinate with spiritual things. You're not going to be all that you could be. Um, some people do this with their walk with the Lord. Some people procrastinate and I know God spoke to me about this. I know I need to respond. I know I, I know I should. There are people that have heard the gospel, understood it, knew that they needed to come to the Lord and decided that I'm not, not yet, not yet. I, I, I believe that I, I accept that it's true and I'm going to finish off this thing over here. Then I'm going to come. Um, there's some young people that feel like I'm going to I'm young right now. I'm going to finish this thing. When I get old, like my parents, then I'll finally then I'll get serious with the Lord. I know it's true, but not right now. Um, this is what this is what can happen to us, though. Um, our hearts get hard. You hear something over and over again and you 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 may be touched deeply the first time and, and you may be touched the second time and the third time. But after a while, um, our hearts get callous. And we get hard to God. We get hard to His truths. And eventually you don't feel anymore. It's, you become, you can become numb. Um, I, 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 had this experience a while back. I went with my daughter to get her nails done. And, um, you know, not a lot for a man to do at the nail salon. So I'm a, I'm a watcher. I observed. I looked at people over there in the hand stuff and, People over here and there are women on these massage seats and it was funny to observe. The lady's got a full mask on so she doesn't breathe in the the fumes and she had a a shield to look like a medical doctor. You know, like this is serious business. But I saw something I'd never seen before. She took a woman's foot and she had a machine. It looked like a Dremel and it was a motorized machine and she did it on the heel of this woman's foot and it looked like like wood shavings you know were coming off or whatever and so I was you know I I later found that you know she was taking the hard callus of the heel of the foot and shaving it down I guess to make a soft foot again god bless her you know they were doing surgery just about you know but as I looked at that you know that was the scripture picture for me like like I guess her foot will be sensitive after all that, you know, we can build up that kind of callus on our heart to the Lord where we just don't even feel. You know, I guess in areas where people don't wear shoes or they wear sandals, you go barefoot, you'd like to have callus. Us that live here, we always got socks and shoes on. You know, when I go somewhere and I take off my socks and shoes, I go to the beach, you know, I walk. I got tender feet. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel every little, you know, little little nugget and pebble on the ground because my feet are they're not built for that. Somebody somewhere else that runs around barefoot all the time, they, they're walking over, you know, nails and glass pieces. And ain't nothing happening. You know, so a callus is good for some things. You know, guitar players, they get callus in their fingers so that when they first start playing, it hurts and it might even bleed. But eventually it builds up a callus so doesn't feel it anymore. You don't want to build up a callus on your heart where you don't feel anymore, where God can speak and it just doesn't mean anything. You can sit in a time of worship and just not move by it. Um, you can read a, a, an impactful, powerful verse in the word and you're not impacted in the least bit because your heart is so hard. Um, and so that can happen as we harden our hearts and resist the Lord. That's why God says today, right? When the day that you hear in the moment that I speak to you, you're reading your word, you have devotion and God challenges you respond that day to what he challenged you about. God tells you something to do. Do it that day when you're sitting at church and God's calling you to come. God calling you to to do something or to not do something or stop. Respond immediately. That's how we gain and maintain a sensitivity to his voice. And so if you find that, man, I feel like I'm dull of hearing. I feel like I'm dull. It might be. I find that people that are dull of hearing spiritually don't feel like they hear really in tune with the Lord is because they 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 turn him off so often that they, they got callousness. Uh, God will fix it for you. The moment you turn back and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I repent of all. I'm sorry for all the times I, I dismissed your truths and I rejected what you said and you repent. God will soften your heart all over again, just like they did to that lady's feet. You know, uh, he'll do that on your heart and, and you'll be sensitive again. And you just now you obey from here. Amen. And so now it says in verse um the the last part of verse two, he says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, and and you just find that in Scripture, God is always saying now. God is never saying tomorrow or later. He's always saying right now. And so, um, make sure that that's the way you respond to the Lord. That your responses to God are right now when He speaks. Verse three, Paul now speaks of the the life of the person of, of that serves God, the life of the man or woman of God, and. One of the biggest excuses that those outside use is the failed morality and the flawed lives of people that do serve God. So he says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. And so for those that have a heart to serve, those that feel called to serve God, Paul says we need to live lives that don't give offense in anything, that there's no there's nothing contradictory about how we're living. Um, because what happens to people in the world right now, you go sharing the gospel with people. I know people right now that I'll speak to them and they'll go right to some failed minister. Oh, what about that guy over there? And he took all them people money and he did this thing over there. He had a scandal. That guy was doing this thing sexually immoral and blah, blah, blah. And and then they just say, that's what that's what it's all about. All of you guys are in it for the money. All of you guys are 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 about some kind of sexual misconduct. All of you guys are. It becomes an excuse It won't be a valid excuse. Them excuses won't stand in the day of judgment for those people. But we don't want to be offering excuses to people, do we? You know, David was told when he did his sin with Bathsheba, he murdered her husband. He said, you've given the enemies of God a cause to blaspheme. You gave them something to blaspheme about. David, you did that. Right. We don't want to be doing that. So Paul says, look. We give no offense in anything, anything that our ministry may not be blamed. And so one thing for, again, those that have a heart to serve God, we have to take heed to our own lives. We got to live lives that are above board, lives that don't that we're not given an offense. We're not giving we're not giving the enemy anything to use against us, that our witness is solid. Our testimony is good uh, to those inside and outside. Moving on, verse four, it says, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God, again, as servants of God. And now he's going to give a list of attributes uh, for, for the, the ministers, the servants. So if you're here and you say, I want to I want to be a servant of the Lord. That's what it means to be a minister. These are the attitudes, the attributes that that should follow our life. And so um, he says in much patience. And so there's, there's patience. There's times where we have to wait on God. There's times where, you know, we have to wait. There's, it's, we're not going to get to do what we want to do right now. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at a camp up in Green Valley for Calvary Chapel Montebello. And the guy that ran the camp, the guy that was the pastor there, two or three years prior, I taught a Bible college class at uh, Downey. And this guy was in my class. And I remember him saying, he felt called. He felt like God had called him to be the youth pastor. He was serving alongside somebody else. And he's like, man, I just feel like this is what God's called me to do. But right now, somebody else is doing it. And so I encourage him. I said, man, don't don't begin to compete with the guy that's there right now, because God has him there right now. God has you there as his assistant. I said, be the best assistant that you can be. Don't compete with him. You're making your job to make him great. Make him make him look good. Help him out that everything, any, any gaps and holes that he has, you cover his back. You make his job. You be the kind of assistant to him that you'll want for yourself one day. And he did that. He took. He, he did that. He, he just served this guy and came alongside him. And it wasn't like, it wasn't even two years later that that guy received a call to go do something else. I think it was a plan of fellowship. And so this guy that had been serving right there was like the obvious choice. And they brought him in. And so I was so blessed to go and be at his camp. My, now he's pastoring. Now he's running the camp for the kids and doing all the things. And I'm like, man, look, you just had to be patient. You just had to wait on God. It was in God's time and God did speak it to you and God was going to do it for you. But in his timing, he was going to do it for you guys that are doing the Bible reading. We just we're, we're in the midst of the life of Joseph. Joseph had to be patient. But but we're we're in the good side now. Joseph now is he's second in command. He's, he's had he had interpreted the visions correctly. You know, he's in charge of all the food. Everybody's got to come to Egypt and buy it. And he's getting ready to have his dad and his brothers and his family all come back. He's getting ready to see his dad again. I mean, but he had to be patient. It took a long time for him to get where he is, but he's there now and, and God's blessing now. So maybe some of you are got desires and, and, and dreams and visions and passions from God. Um, the best thing I could encourage you is to be faithful where you are. Um, faithfulness where you are. Your faithfulness with what you have right now will bring you into whatever God has next. Don't cheat. Don't covet. Don't try to sneak ahead. Patience is necessary for the servant of God. Amen. And so in much patience, Paul says in tribulations, um, something that we don't necessarily like, but it's part It's part of the process that if you're going to serve God, they're going to be tribulations. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be there are going to be things that come against you, and so if if you are weak of heart, you know if you want if some people have treated ministry like you know I'm just going to serve God and it's going to be awesome, and you know when I serve God and everything should go perfect for me because I'm serving God, and can y'all anybody that serve God know better than that, you know it's it's and anybody that believes that going in where it was ill prepared, right? Jesus told his disciples they hated me. What did he say? They're going to hate you. Y'all ready for that? He said, hey, the son of man has well, He said, if foxes have holes and birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Y'all want to come? Y'all want to come with me? It, it, he never made it sound illustrious. He never said it would be great on earth. You know what he did say? Store treasure in heaven where moth and dust don't corrupt and where thieves don't break in and steal. We're living for another reality, not this one down here. And so there'll be tribulations. It it just comes with the territory. And so if anybody's ever led you to believe, because I've seen people get discouraged. I was serving God. I was faithful. I was going to church. I was a Bible study. And then this happened as though it's nothing bad should have happened because they were serving God. And It's like you poor thing. They didn't tell you. They didn't tell you. It's just about a guarantee that when you start serving God, that's going to happen. Some stuff's going to go awry. If you could just make it through it, you know, God's got a benefit in the difficulty. But tribulations are part of the program. So everybody here called to serve. Understand that when you put your foot to the plow, you could you could almost you could almost commit that immediately something's going to happen. Satan will throw up some stuff, especially if you're weak of heart, because some people will quit. Some people say I, I start. I, I can't take all that. You know that if all if it's gonna be like that, then I'm just not gonna do it, and they're sidelined. Um, you got to embrace the tribulation. It's part of the program. That'd be like a football player saying, "I want to play. I like the ball, but I don't want people hitting me." <laughs> what would we think about a football player like that? You don't understand football. You you know you it's a weak. It's weak. You know you shouldn't even be on the field, right? a Christian that feels like I want to serve God, but I don't want bad things happen. I don't want warfare. I don't want people to hate me. I want everybody like me and be my friend. You really can't be a Christian and you really can't serve God. It's impossible to do it like that. Amen. I just want to prepare y'all that I want y'all to serve, but I want y'all to know it's war. We, We will have a fight. And, uh, but we, we do fight from victory. We always win in Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for joining us here on the Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times, too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you if you're in the Inglewood area. Come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information. 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, cavalryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.